Right now, many churches are planning their budgets for the next fiscal year. You can promote your confessional Lutheran church and support the worldwide outreach of issues, etc. by becoming a congregational sponsor. When your church pledges $1,000, we'll publicize your congregation on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Learn more on the support donate page at issuesetc.org. Don't miss your congregation's budget deadline. Become an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. I hold this letter here in my hand A plea, a petition, a kind of prayer I hope it does Welcome back to Issues Etc. We've got some questions and comments from our listeners to go through here in the next few minutes of the program. Was George Washington the father of our country? Was he a Christian? One reader wants to relay his rather harrowing experience at a Methodist seminary, and people are wondering where Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week went to. It's time for listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line. Our email address, talkback at issuesetc.org, and the comment line, 618-223-8382. Let's go down to Texas, where Greg resides. At least twice you said that George Washington wasn't a Christian. I've got to advise you that this is incorrect based on the best resources. Peter Lilback, current president at Westminster Seminary, wrote an exhaustively researched book on Washington's faith, provides ample examples of his writings, public statements, and recollections from personal friends to leave no doubt about his personal adherence and recommendation for, quote, the religion of Jesus Christ, end quote. His common self-description was as, quote, a Christian, end quote. Don't let Marxist misinformation influence you on understanding the nature of Washington's faith, concludes Greg in Texas. So I don't think he's referring to me saying that George Washington wasn't a Christian because I don't think I've ever even entertained the, the notion of whether or not George Washington was a Christian. I'd be happy to look at that resource. The first thing I'd ask of any researcher who says George Washington was a Christian or any of the other founding fathers was a Christian, I, I'm just going to exercise a little bit of healthy skepticism. I'm, I'm not saying they aren't. I'm just saying, where did they go to church? That's what I'd like to know. Did they attend church on Sunday morning? And if so, where? And what were the teachings of that church? There were a lot of Christian sects in the colonial period that were indeed Orthodox Christians. There were a lot of them that were not. And so I would like to know and I'm thinking about things like the Quakers and the Shakers. I would like to know where that founding father went to church. That's You say, well, it doesn't matter what they personally believed. No, I think whether they went to church on Sunday morning is a big question as to whether or not they were a Christian. Christians generally tend to go to church. Can you be a Christian without going to church, without hearing God's word preached and receiving the sacraments? Not for long. This is pesky. You may think of yourself as a Christian, but you won't be one this because is, you've cut yourself off from the source of Christianity. It's pesky commandment affirmed by Jesus, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Yeah. So that's be the first question I would have. The other thing I would recommend is that uh, you might be referencing something that we said in interviews with Dr. Alvin Schmidt. We've had several, and you can just go to our website and search Alvin Schmidt and look at the various interviews. He is a sociologist and he's a theologian and he's a, his research is exhaustive. And just kind of see if you can find anything in there that, that Dr. Schmidt may have said about the faith of George Washington. I don't know whether George Washington was a Christian. I haven't looked into the question, as I said before, haven't really 
even the, the questions never even really occurred to me. You interviewed Dr. Schmidt on President's Day about the faiths of Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. See, that's how that's how bad my memory is becoming. When was this? I don't know. It was a President's Day a long time ago. Okay, it was a long time ago. Sometime after we were fired. So okay. it's sometime between 2008 and 2000. We didn't do it this President's Day? 2021. And that may have been the the program that he's referring to where where Dr. Schmidt may have said that George Washington wasn't an Orthodox Christian. Now, does that mean George Washington didn't consider himself a Christian? Remember, there are a lot of people who consider themselves Christians, but based upon what they believe, teach, and confess, cannot be qualified as Christian. Just because someone says, I am a Christian, just go to any bar and go down the line and say, are you a Christian? Yes or no. Okay. Those people may think of themselves as Christians and they may well be Christians. I've been in a number of bars. Uh, and But just because someone self-identifies as a Christian doesn't make them one. There are some objective criteria that are necessary and it has to largely to do with what you believe. The listeners quotes the religion of Jesus Christ as an affirmation of faith by George Washington. I would inform the listener, there is a Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who also call themselves Christians, and of course they aren't. Secondly, it would be nice to know if they go to church and anywhere in their writings, do they affirm any of the classical Christian creeds of the church? That's that's a good way of finding out if someone says, well, I believe what the Apostles' Creed says, or I believe what the Nicene Creed says. Well, you could point to, to founding fathers like uh, Thomas Jefferson, and he would have denied much of what the classical creed said, and there's the famous Jefferson Bible, wherein he literally just cut everything out. He made his own edition of the Bible and cut everything miraculous out, including the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, if you don't buy the resurrection, you are not a Christian. It is the hinge point of the Christian faith. We're going through listener email, the issues, etc. comment line, talk back at issuesetc.org, and the comment line 618-223. 8382. When we come back, some more of your listener email, and then we'll be spending some time with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. We'll have a conversation with Brian on informing the conscience. He's written an essay, a very interesting essay, titled Teaching the Conscience to the Youth, a Survey. More of your email on the other side of the break. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Luther had Wartburg. We have Collinsville. You're listening to Issues Etc. What can we learn from our Lutheran forefathers on how to face the challenges of a culture openly hostile to Christianity? Pastor Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, has written a column for the latest Issues Etc. journal titled For Such a Time as This. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. You'll also find Pastor Will Whedon's article on the Monthly Psalter, the free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois, is happy to support the Christ-centered, cross-focused ministry of Issues Etc. Join us for worship, Bible classes, youth ministry, and other opportunities to grow in Christ. We have a Christian day school for children in preschool to eighth grade. We are located at 1300 Beltline Road, 
call us at 618-344-3151 or visit www.goodshepherdcollinsville.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We are going through our listeners' email and the Issues Etc. comment line. Coming up, Pastor Brian Wolf Miller will join us in a few minutes to discuss informing the conscience. Thanks to our good friends at uh, Peace Lutheran Church in Lee May here in St. Louis. It was great seeing Dr. John Ferguson here a couple weeks ago talking about his book on spiritual warfare. Thanks so much for agreeing to become a congregational sponsor of the Worldwide Outreach of Issues, et cetera, next year. A lot of congregations are putting together their budgets for next year right now, and this is the perfect time to ask your congregation to include Issues, et cetera, in its mission or advertising budget. If you need some help in doing that, you can give Lynn a call, 618-223-8385, 618-223-8385. And we also have a flyer that you can download at the website. It's on the donate page. A one-page flyer, you can just print it right off and take it to your congregation. It makes the case for you. Stand up and read it at a congregational meeting and ask them to include issues, et cetera, in your mission or advertising budget. Or make copies, better yet. Hand them out. They must like us at Peace, Lee, maybe, because you still preach there a couple times a year, right? Well, it used to be every fifth Sunday in the Dennis Castens era. And then now that uh, the good pastor, John Ferguson, has become head pastor there, and they have an assistant pastor alongside, it's occasionally, I would say a couple times a year. Thanks I used your, to be able to count on it every fifth Sunday. Thanks for your support. This comes from JR in Osceola, Iowa. In 1975 to 76, I attended United Methodist Church's Wesley Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C., and served as a deacon for the next two years in southwest Iowa, two churches in Riverton and Farragut, with two congregations in the country. I ended up a Methodist because of a conservative Methodist pastor in my hometown of Tabor, Iowa. I was a rather naive Christian, but had read some Lutheran materials and came to be believed that a person was saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, that by God's grace was my cornerstone of theology and that the Bible was truly God's word. When I got to Wesley, it was my understanding that it had recently embraced women as pastoral students. They then started having gay chapels. Part of that was the claim that the only thing in the worship service that went back to Bible times was the kiss of peace. Anyway, homosexuality was increasingly accepted and promoted. I was increasingly rejected. One senior Old Testament professor sternly told me to ask no questions in his class. In the dorms, when guys got a Dear John letter, the gays were at his door to seduce with alcohol and the message that perhaps his sexual identity was misinformed. Things got cooled down when the Washington Post had an article about the gay chapel services and I was told the money-giving widows in the suburbs reacted negatively. God bless the money-giving widows in suburbia. They may be the only thing keeping a lot of <laughs> orthodoxy. <laughs> orthodoxy alive by sheer force of their money. I know that some of the more visible gay advocates were suddenly gone. I ended up leaving Wesley and serving as a deacon for two years. I had been told that Methodist pastors in the field were more biblically conservative. I didn't find that to be true. I finally fled to the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and have been blessed. 
Thanks for the email. Thanks for listening in Osceola, Iowa, JR. We've done several short interviews recently on the split in the United Methodist Church. And what's happening, just in a nutshell, I've even spoken to a parishioner about this. What's happening is that the name United Methodist Church is being kept by the most liberal elements of that enormous Protestant denomination, global denomination. And uh, a new denomination, maybe even another kind of micro-denomination, has been formed from the congregations that are leaving the United Methodist Church and staying in a more conservative direction. It's still not an incredibly conservative church. It does still have the break-off church, will not be ordaining homosexuals or performing same-sex marriages. They won't be doing that. That's one of the reasons they're leaving. But there's still theological concerns there. And of course, he had mentioned the ordination of women. With the ordination of women, it is, it is the first step toward allowing the sexual revolution into your church body. And there's a reason for it. It's not just because it's a slippery slope. It's because the arguments that are made from the Bible, or actually not from the Bible, but the, the way the Bible is treated in order to argue for the ordination of women can be used just as well, in fact, just as efficiently, to argue for the ordination of gays and lesbians, to argue for just about anything you want to. And once a church says, look, these passages quite clearly say this is wrong or we shouldn't be doing this, but we can ignore them because times have changed or the Spirit's giving us new revelation. Katie barred the door. Just the door is open then to anything happening. It may not all happen at once, but it can happen and it will happen eventually, as we can see with the United Methodist Church. Just one example of many, many denominations that used to be basically orthodox and have, through just ignoring simple passages of Scripture, disqualified themselves to be called orthodox. Simple question for Bob. Whatever happened to Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week? Well, that's a good question. Uh, we haven't had Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week in probably the better part of a year now, I would so think. We played Soundbite of the Year at the beginning of this year. So at sometime this year, we discontinued it. And we talked about it oh, several yeah. times. We don't get more votes. And I'm not sure when was the last episode of Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. It was, I got to throw in my two cents here. I, like Bob, I miss Soundbite of the Week. I miss it. I wish we'd bring it back. It was a lot of work for very little downloads. <laughs> it was a download bottom feeder. Yeah. So it's it was one of those things that we did in order. It, the main reason we did Soundbite of the Week, there are two reasons. The main reason was to spur listeners to go back and listen to something that they hadn't heard before. But if they're not listening to Soundbite of the Week, it's not achieving its purpose. You just got to know when to give the bad news. The other reason was to get actualities that we could use in the open theme and things like that. That's a more minor thing. And now we, we still do that. We just don't have to go through all the work of Soundbite of the Week. Now, the work is worth it as long as people are listening. But if it's not achieving its main purpose, where very few are listening, as evidenced by the lack of votes and the, and the download stats, then it, it was you have to eventually just say, you know, this was a good idea at one time, but it was a really good idea during the age when a lot of listeners were listening live on terrestrial radio that was still heard on terrestrial radio, but very, very few people listen live. And it was a really good idea at the time, but the listener habits have changed radically in the last 20 years, especially in the last 10 years. And when you have 95 plus percent of your listeners listening on demand, something like soundbite of the week, which requires listener participation just doesn't work anymore. 
Nathan writes, Hey, everyone at Issues Etc., could I suggest you try and study a hymn at least once a week or perhaps more than once a week? You all know this as well as I do. Our Lutheran hymns teach many things about what we believe, teach, and confess as Lutherans, and it's just good for our Lutheran community to be regularly delving into our rich Lutheran hymnody. Thanks for the feedback, and thanks for listening. Avid listener, he calls himself Nathan. We have a a lot of archived hymn studies with various guests. We try and do those seasonally. In fact, one's coming up this week, Savior of the Nation Come, with uh, Pastor Will Whedon. So we've done many, many, many of these, and we plan to continue to do them. So part of the problem is recordings. You have to have good recordings. Good recordings. There's a lot of hymns that haven't been recorded, but also we, we have a lot of recordings that lack stanzas. Oh, missing stanzas. Correct. So for the sake of recording and brevity and everything, they'll leave good stanzas out and we don't have them to study. So we're doing our best on that. You know what occurred to me when we were talking with Tim Seleska earlier today, we were doing a little pre-recording with Tim Seleska of Concordia Seminary that I don't think we've ever done psalm studies. We've got 150 we could study. We did did do an issues at Center 24 on the Psalms. We did. We did the imprecatory Psalms. We did the various sections of the Psalms. Don't remind me about issues at Center 24 because it was just. <laughs> Craig about, probably wants to bring that one back was, too. Yeah, it was just <laughs> no, about this time. Far, no. Just about this time last year, I'm looking at my Facebook memories when we were doing issues at Center 24. We stopped doing that several years ago. It was 24 hours of solid issues at Center live radio for 24 hours. And we started out when we were much younger men, also kind of stupid, and we did it. And then at some point, Jeff and I agreed that we were getting too old for issues. Well, I wonder if that had something to do with the last one. You had to take, what, four hours, six hours, and you disappeared. Did I don't know, did you take a nap? Were you outside running around the building i mean jeff and i were there for 24 straight hours i went uh todd did every year except though last year i think dr sherb did dr sherb came in and filled in a couple hours because i was like guys i gotta sleep so yeah i'd like to i'd like to do a i'd like to do a psalm maybe a psalm a week something like that but for that you need a guest that you can always count on to book them and Jeff can tell you how difficult that is. People have busy lives. You can always count on booking the uh, a guest to get something like that. I was like, well, Dr. Seleska would be great, but Dr. Seleska is a busy guy. It's hard to get him on one psalm. But how, did, how did you go from hymns to psalms? Are you are you wanting to are you wanting to record the psalms? I, I'm I'm not understanding how we went from a psalm study. studies, just oh, like okay. doing hymn studies, do okay. a psalm okay. study. All right, okay. So, because I think it worked out pretty nicely with Dr. Seleska. Yeah, he's a great teacher. Jason writes, oh, by the way, Deaconess popped in, Deaconess Lynn Fredrickson. Our last Soundbite of the Week episode was in April of this year. April of this year. Well, there you go. Well, there's always an opportunity to bring it back this coming April. Not going to happen. <laughs> no. Not going to happen. And Bob, truth be told, since we've canceled it, you're the first person who's asked where it's gone. So that could give you an indication. <laughs> Of the popularity you of just, issues, et cetera, soundbite. You have to be willing to say, okay, it was good while it lasted. It was a good idea to begin with, but the, but things have changed, and it is no longer a good or feasible idea. Jason writes, Jennifer Roback Morse, always one of my favorite guests. 
Hearing Dr. Roback Morse imitate a congregational Karen was so funny, I sprayed Diet Dr. Pepper all over my desk. I almost put this in, in the open theme this week, but it didn't make the cut. It was too long. But we're going to play it for our listeners. Okay, again. let's hear it. The kind of bishop who tends not to speak out also tends to lean on his clergy to not speak out. And all it takes is one Karen, some middle-aged suburban lady, to say, Father was so mean in his sermon this week, he said some so judgmental about abortion, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and she also, what did she say? Uh, it was a Karen in the Congregational Council or Father Happy Clappy. <laughs> Classic. She, didn't, she wasn't going to pay much attention to him. You could tell she's dealt with a number of priests in her day. Yes, she has. And a number of Karens. Yeah. So when we come back, we're going to spend some time with Pastor Brian Wolf Miller. He has written about the conscience, in particular, informing the conscience. He has four things that inform your conscience for good or for ill. We'll discuss them on the other side of the break and for the remainder of Issues Etc. on this Tuesday, November 22nd. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay tuned. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November. This new resource will help you navigate God's Word with clarity and confidence. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number 1-800-325-3040 or browse before you buy at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible. Psalm 144.1 Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Those serving in the armed forces want LCMS chaplains. We need courageous pastors to bring the gospel and sacraments to those protecting our nation, along with wise counsel and the peace found only in Christ Jesus. If you are between the age of 26 and 43 and have a heart for ministry in the armed forces, call 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. You can teach lay people theology. You're listening to Issues Etc. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial a podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now.